Welcome to Rest and Awaken Podcast. Only able to access those things because she has money. Yeah. Accessibility therapy just makes me absolutely, the whole system makes me absolutely insane. Um, Join us with Dr. Colleen and Dr. Natalie. You were thinking about something I had written in a newsletter? Yes. Let's put more energy or thought into, are we creating anti-racist outcomes? Get ready for thought-provoking conversations about real-life experiences that will empower you to explore different perspectives and live life to the fullest, right here on Rest and Awaken Podcast. Hello, hello. Hey, what's new? Ah, you know, nothing and lots all at the same time. <laughs> same, same, same. Yeah. I'm trying to get back on a regular sleep cycle after like working way too much or being overcommitted. Now I'm trying to like get back into a regular, like what's the right amount of sleep. I love that. And I feel like that, that gets trickier as we age. Oh (laughs) Um, yeah. (laughs) Yes. Sleep is always a thing for me as well. I love that. Like when we were doing our check-in before we started recording, we were talking about the general theme in both of our lives is leaning into the heart. Yes. Yeah. And that's, I'm so glad that you were able to kind of find that, find that thread because that's, that's it. Um, That's it. So yeah. How should we, how should we begin? Do you want to? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting because I feel like even though parts of this year, particularly like the first quarter of this year was like incredibly hard and painful. I think what got me through it um, maybe faster than a younger version of me would have is that I was willing to lean into the hard, mm-hmm. like say the truth, even though it would, other people would experience it painfully because I wasn't being mean, I was being honest, right? Like when I was talking to Chris about like, something's not working in our marriage. um, Like I was just being radically honest. And then like, without the attachment to the outcome, except that I wanted to feel like more satisfaction and Mm -hmm. I wanted to feel more peaceful. And like, you know, then when you have kids and in-laws and like parents and other people orbiting around you and they don't want you to be honest in that way if it causes them discomfort that's right and it's like but I need to do this anyway because I have to trust that it's got to be better than what we're in right now Mm -hmm. and I feel like that has popped up periodically this year like just last week I was like I need to communicate to this person that that I've experienced harm with what they've said about me and I'm not going to tell them that I experience this as anti-Blackness. Instead, I'm going to package it in a different way that I think that they can digest it. But it's not for them to change. It's for me to get peace, to say that I let you know, and now it's in your court. You could decide whether or not you're going to um, have do the work to repair this relationship. And I'll have to say goodbye for now because... I want this relationship to be better. I I believe it can be better mm-hmm. than it is now. Totally. Oh my gosh. It's not for them to change. It's for me to have peace. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a big thing. And I think, I think that right there is perhaps one of the things that keeps us from leaning into the heart, or at least that has kept me from leaning into the heart is I want to control the outcome 
um, which means my communication has to be like a chess game as opposed to just honest. And because if I'm just honest, then then I, I perhaps lose control. Uh, and I think for so many people, I don't think I'm alone in that. I think for so many people, it's really hard to let go of control or the illusion of control. We're ne mm -hmm. We never have control, right? Mm -hmm. It's really hard to let go of the illusion of control um, because we're so attached to certain outcomes. So there's a couple of things we have to let go of there. Mm -hmm. We have to let go of the illusion of control and we have to release our grip on certain desired outcomes and be willing to just kind of surrender to what is. Mm -hmm. And that's so hard. It's so hard. Yeah, it's so hard. Practice, right? You mm -hmm. can't just like wake up one day and be like, I'm just going to surrender to what is. Like it doesn't work. Yeah. No, no. And I, for years I resisted, like I was so attached to the outcome. And so then I was trying to like manipulate feels too strong of a word, like influence yeah. people or like feel like I could direct them mm -hmm. in my per personal life. And yet that was just causing me stress and not mm -hmm. actually empowering the other people in the relationship to, to do what they needed to do. Absolutely. So I, I'm curious because I've noticed that lately I'm struggling with this idea of, with all of those things, with relinquishing the illusion of control, releasing my grip and an and attachment to desired outcomes and just speaking my, my truth. Why do you think it took you to when it did? to be more radically honest? Like what was getting in the way? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I would say that there's always been some part of me who likes to tell the truth, but I don't think I was always comfortable inside of myself with dealing with um, the emotional fallout or the emotional entanglement that happens sometimes when people don't like what you're saying. So... I think I used to put on a good show. Like even I would say the things, even though internally I would be a mess. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel like I'm more at peace inside of myself. So I think like that's the liberation. Like that's what I've been thinking about lately. Like this is what liberation feels like mm -hmm. when you feel free inside of yourself that while I, you know, I don't, uh, want people to be mad at me and yet if they need to be mad at me that's okay um, and I think I used to try to like suck it up before when now I think my body has softened into that but also I think like I'm less caught up in what society tells me I should be mm -hmm. and I surround myself more with people who just let me be like who I authentically am and now the people who don't let me do that, and they don't even know, some people don't even know that they're trying to police me or trying to like cage me. Like, I don't want those people in my inner circle because like, I. but I used to have those, those were most of the people in right. my life when I was younger. But I also think like they're policing themselves. Huh? And they're yeah. in cages too. Um, but now I can see the cage and, and I can decide like, 
am I going to just be in this cage? And it's funny talking to my 16 year old, you know, where like just last week we were checking in on like how the year's been because you know it's it was off to it started off rocky and like he is like in many ways like a binary thinker and so he he believes that once you have kids and once you're married and you have kids you should forget who you are as a person and do everything that is for the kids welfare so if it's an unhappy marriage you should stay married until the kids are out of the house because that's what you signed up for. Like he's very clear about that. We'll say exactly those words. Right. And um, my daughter, who's like a couple years younger, she's like, well, I don't know about that. Like if, you know, the whole idea of like happy parents, happy kids, right. Like if the parents are fighting or it's abusive or like, then like, we wouldn't want that to happen. So it's been interesting having those conversations, but I feel like a lot of people live into that. Like I made this choice, like committed to this job or to this person and like I'm trapped and there isn't degrees of freedom within that. And I feel like I've blown that up that now I'm like, no, that's a story I'm telling myself. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I'm, that's the that's something that I've been really noticing is all of the I think just expectations that that things are one or the other right like your son is talking about um and so if I acknowledge these identities if I acknowledge my queerness if I acknowledge I don't know that I that I need more freedom in some way than what co- immediately pops up is fear. But I think the missing link there is what immediately pops up is like this binary option that I've been fed by society where it's like if my queerness comes up, it's like then you're a lesbian and you're never going to be happy in your marriage. And then there's fear. But I didn't even know that part in the middle happened. It's like, it's all unconscious. And it's not until I'm really sitting with it, being like, wait a second, why Why am I going from one extreme to another? Why can't I just have a conversation with Nick about whatever is coming up for me? Um, And I I think it's all of these expectations and binaries and false dichotomies Mm -hmm. that we just swim in all of our lives. And then we're not even someone like me who's like trying so hard and meditating and been in therapy for two decades and all these Mm -hmm. things. I'm still unearthing like, oh my God, I think that's what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's wild. It really is. I we were um Chris and I went like basically did like a double date with this couple we haven't seen in a long time. And th- you know, each of us, each pair of us had like had challenges in our marriage in the last like year and a half or something. And like we're on the other side of it for now, right? And you know, we talked about how each of us opted for like a, a non-traditional way to solve the problem right and so Mm -hmm. for them you know they decided to open their marriage right and that that allowed them to say yes to each other again and so thinking about 
And so what we're talking about is like, there's so many couples who have been together for a while who reach this moment where it becomes binary, yes. right? We're either ended yes. or we stay together and we're miserable. And then the <laughs> third option is maybe we recalibrate what we think of this partnership or how we do this or what our roles are. And then that leads us both to be happier in this new chapter, this new season. And I feel like society doesn't tell people right. enough that there's this third option. And you and I have talked about this a little bit, like that there's this other way that feels gaining more traction, but still I feel like in so much of the US is uh, like, let's not, let's talk about this in secret. <laughs> right. And, and because of that training, I think that's one of the barriers that gets in the way of just being honest, that it's like, it's just conform, 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 conform. And, and then it, and then because it's like, that's the message. So then it doesn't even occur to me that I could just be radically honest about what's happening. Mm -hmm. And that Nick's uh, a grown man, um, who's responsible for his feelings and his thoughts. And like, he can take time and like, think about whatever that like, I don't have to take care of him or try to control the outcome. I can just be really honest about what's happening for me. Right. And then he just has a chance to be really honest with me about what he's thinking and feeling. Mm -hmm. And it can be that simple. But, but I complicate it for myself um, for all these different reasons. And I think it's just, it is, it's so, it'd be so much easier to just lean into the heart and just be honest. But there's so mm -hmm. many things that get in the way right. of that. Mm -hmm. um, ugh, it's exhausting. Yeah. It really is. It really is. And I feel like it gets easier over time because I have, positive experiences right like I do this hard thing and then I feel all the ugh of it and then I get to the other side and it's lovely and transformative and peaceful and there's increased resilience and complexity and the more I have those experiences the more I can trust that even if I can't see the path right. I know that the staircase will appear like right. the path will appear right um and can I just trust, like, can I sit in this ambiguous place and trust it will all work out however it's supposed to work out? I love, I love that metaphor. Mine of the, you know, I can take the step and the staircase will appear, right? Mine is like, I'm going to walk off of this cliff. Oh, um, that's like too much. Like even that <laughs> visual, I'm like, oh my God, so much better than mine. <laughs> no, but, but I'm just afraid of heights. So that's why it's like, <laughs> oh, <get> <laughs> That is so much more hopeful. So what's going to appear like when you go off the cliff? I didn't get But either the future version of myself is going to be there to catch me or I will grow wings when I maybe I'll enjoy the free fall a little bit, but at mm. some point I will grow wings, mm. you know, that like, or I will, uh, there will be a parachute, um, you know, that I didn't realize was there, like something, but that's how, oof, that's how some of this stuff feels, is like, mm -hmm. it feels like walking off a cliff. Mm -hmm. It yeah. feels like 
the risks feel so huge sometimes, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And when I think about, again, it's, I think one of the things that everybody has or most people is like, what are the messages? And they might from society, right? And they're different messages depending on the different identities that we hold. But like, there's all this pressure to conform. And then we all have our own stuff from intergenerational trauma or whatever. Um, So mine is like, uh, this is just my lot in life. And, you know, there's a lot of like martyrdom and victimhood stuff. So it's like to fight all of these things Mm. and say the thing or do the thing and let go of attachment Mm -hmm. to control or, you know, desired outcome it feels like rolling myself off a cliff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think I need to start to use the stair metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to have to lean into this cliff thing because like every time I'm like picture, I'm like, ah, but like there's definitely times when it feels like that for sure. Right. But it's like, it, it's, it's not, it's not. Mm-hmm. Every time I've thrown myself off a cliff, it has been less painful and more beautiful than I could have ever imagined. Right. Mm -hmm. So to your point about the learning um, and, and making sure that we're, we're taking stock and we're being reflective and that we're not Mm -hmm. just focusing on like all the potential bad things that could happen and the fallout, some of which is Mm -hmm. probably inevitable, Mm -hmm. but the reflection of, no, I've been here before and, and it's been, it's, not only has it been okay, it's, it's catapulted me to places that I never. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think looking at my two kids and the ways in which the challenges of the beginning of the year and them like being supported through that difficulty, right. Is like, I was also teaching them. We were teaching them how to take the step, not knowing what, this will evolve into and and like they need to experience that the staircase is there right or that they're going to grow wings right like they need to figure that out and and like checking in with them like in the last couple of weeks like they're thriving mm-hmm. right and I think part of that is because they live through that yeah. and like they were part of some of the conversations and they saw like we're like better and stronger as a result like our unit of four and like that that uh, as painful as that time was like now we're on this other side and like it's in their bones now like it's in their yeah. it's in their like it's experientially part of their story now right oh and I love that so much so, uh, when we think about this through leaning into the hard through a parenting lens mm-hmm. and I think as we get further along parenting has become so much about like protecting our kids from the hard Mm -hmm. stuff or like clearing their path to make it easier. And that's coming from a place of love and good intentions and Mm -hmm. wanting our children's life to be better, easier, less painful than ours. And we rob them Mm -hmm. of the opportunity to know they can grow rings, that they can be resilient, that they can do things. Mm -hmm. And so that problems when people experience problems, it's not our job to fix them. Mm-hmm. Problems are an opportunity to connect, right. to 
the be together in the hard. Like we don't rush in and turn and mm-hmm. turn on the light. We just sit in the dark with our people. Right. Um, and we do it together. And what a gift we give our children when we're yeah, absolutely. Yeah. One thing that Chris and I have been talking about lately is our relationship to grief. And I feel like as someone who was a great compartmentalizer for a good chunk of my life and um, is now I feel so much more like in the last several years, I feel so much more. So like this message I sent to like a, a family member last week around, like, I can't do this. Um, it, like I could connect to the grief of it. Right. Like, and that sometimes there are goodbyes that need to happen, not in death, not in the literal death, but in the, like, this is the end of our story in this way. And it will become this new thing. And Chris was like connecting to how much he doesn't connect to grief, right? Like all the stuff that's kind of happened, like, unless it's like, like a 10 out of 10, he can't really connect to those feelings. So I don't know how much of that is male socialization, family of origin stuff, or just like, that's how he like moves around in the world. That's how he like his survival strategy is to not connect to those feelings. I think you're probably right. I think it's probably all of those things to some degree. And and I see it more pronounced in, in my husband as well. So there does seem to perhaps be a gendered piece there. Yes. Um, but I think I think there's also a human piece there, right? Where mm. like I think we as humans try to distance ourselves from from grief, from from actual death or just things that feel like death, like the hurtling yourself off a cliff feeling that feels mm. like death to me sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um endings and that that makes sense right we're we're human beings we've only gotten to this place in evolution because we avoided painful things <laughs> um mm-hmm. we were scared of fire at some point right for good reason mm-hmm. and so i think about all of the intentional effort that you and me and so many others have really needed to give in order to sit with pain mm-hmm. not run away from the hard things to like right. to experience the flames of discomfort I'm thinking about Glennon Doyle as she talks about like experiencing the flames and the discomfort of transformation and walking straight in because you know you are fireproof mm. that that doesn't happen on accident that's mm. an intentional muscle that needs to be developed mm. um and even though I can recite that and I have it listed in my affirmations and I've experienced that so many times, if that is not an active daily practice, mm-hmm. at least for me, I fall asleep and I forget and I get right. scared again and yeah. I, I resist and avoid. Um, so it's just needs to be built into our lives. Um, mm-hmm at least. Yeah. For a long time, I thought of this quote from Jeff Foster, which was um, to remember that you are the ocean, not the wave. Yes. And so like, sometimes I I bring that into my mind's eye of like, yeah, there are these waves of emotion, these waves of conflict, but that's not, that's momentary and it gets absorbed in the vastness of who we are. 
right. and to remember that we're all interconnected um, and yet our mind will tell a story that we are so separate. Mm-hmm. Especially when we're scared or angry, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, absolutely. When we get that nervous system kicking. Mm-hmm. It really wants it to be us versus them. And mm-hmm. I've got to protect myself. And right. Right. Yeah. It's so easy to avoid mm-hmm. the thing that would actually bring right. peace. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things I have appreciated about myself that I feel like has grown particularly in this year is as I've worked through my like grief and rage, particularly around racial stress and trauma stuff, um, not that it ever ends, is I feel so much more the capacity to have grace, Mm. compassion for the other. Even Even while I'm holding them accountable, it's coming from a place of love. Like if this, you know, family member on Chris's side could hear that what I did was give him a gift, of saying like, this is where I'm at. This is where I think we're not in the same place. And this is what I need uh, in order for us to move past this. Like that is like me, like putting an olive branch. How he interprets it, I don't know. But like, for me, it's like, it didn't come, like to me, I felt the anger that's about, I'm so angry with you. I can't see your full humanity anymore. And I just need to have like power over. And I feel like I don't connect to that kind of anger as much anymore because of all the healing that's happening inside. That sounds incredible. (laughs) So, I mean, if I can do more of that, you know, that's, that's what I want to do. For sure. And I know that the answer to this is complex and multifaceted, but can you give us a glimpse as to how you think some of that healing happened uh, in terms of connecting less to the the anger that leads to like power over and punishment and whatever and connect more to accountability, but also compassion and grace? Yeah, I feel like it's been happening over the last probably like 15 years. Like I feel like part of it was learning about dialectics and multiple truths, right? Like I feel for me letting go of that, there's this absolute truth and like, so building the muscle, because for a long time, especially in like my twenties and thirties, like there was a right way. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I feel like letting go of that Mm -hmm. helped create space. But then I think like the hundreds of hours of anti-racism facilitation of workshops and and feel and like feeling the grief and the rage of 2020 2021 but also i think like the ongoing meditative yogic practices and like just keep coming back to we're all connected and this idea of like how much socialization all of us have had right, right? so when i would feel like the beauty of anti-racism which is what i think people don't get when they're not do when they're not deeply steeped in it is that it's about how does everybody get free? It's not about like white people should feel bad and guilty or that, you know, it's more about this is systemic, this is structural and we've all been conditioned in it if we spent some time in colonized places. And so that helps me have compassion of like, of course, you've never had to have this like deep reckoning because you live in a such a white space. Like everyone you surround with yourself is, is white. So, and if they're all living the average white life, 
could you possibly have built this literacy or these muscles? Um, That doesn't mean I want to spend a lot of time with you at this point in my life. And yet I can see, right, that it's not personal, right? It's, it's about something much larger. Right. Ooh. And then, so I'm also wondering because to know that something is not personal, right. And not just know it intellectually, but like embody that reality. Mm -hmm. Do you think that there also has to be a lot of self-love, self-worth, self-trust, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think for me, when I, what I've noticed is that when I'm taking something personal that I shouldn't for lots of the things that you mentioned, other reasons, whatever, I think it's also because I am not necessarily grounded in my own self-worth, self-love. But if I can show up and feel confident that like, of course I'm lovable, of course I have worth, of course I have value. And then I take all of these other things, then it's, I don't know, it's a lot easier for me to sit with that. Do you think that plays Mm -hmm. a role? Yeah, absolutely. And I think because I've spent a lot of time becoming friends with my emotions. So I I think of like, so here's the duality. I think everything has to do with race. And I think not everything has to do with race. Like that's the duality of it. And so example, like over the weekend, I met up with some friends for lunch. I was the first one to get to this Thai restaurant. And um, the person working there, I'm not sure, maybe she was Thai, maybe just Asian American. And I remember when I, when I got there, she said something like, do you, um, we don't have the lunch menu today. Um, is that okay? I said, yeah, that's fine. Um, and then she asked me again, she's like, well, no, we, we don't have, and I would, the internal, the part of me that thinks it's always about race is like, is this a little anti-blackness? Like, is she like operating on some stereotype? Um, and I said, no, yeah, I'm totally fine with, cause she was like, do you want to see the menu? I was like, no, I'm good. Like just table for four. And I was like, this is, ugh. and then, then uh, maybe there was something in like my body language or something. And then she proceeded to explain why she was asking this. And it's because she had had this other experience earlier in the day where someone had been very upset. Oh. And even though she had said it was not, it was a Saturday. So there wasn't a lunch menu when they sat down and saw the menu, they were like, oh, this is too expensive. And when she tried to explain, you know, like, oh, yeah, that's why I mentioned, like, we don't have the lunch menu. And then she was perceived as rude and, like, mm-hmm. impolite. And so she was operating from her own trauma, right? Yeah. And so I'm glad I had that moment of curiosity. Like, I was irritated, but there was that moment of also curiosity of, like, well, I don't know what this is about. Right. Exactly. And I love that then we had this conversation like it was able to move, but I feel like if I had just shut down and was yep. like, oh, this feels racist, uh, and like operating from like Asian, black, like mm-hmm. dynamics that can happen, like then I would have like not had the opportunity for us to have this conversation of what it must be like for her as an Asian American woman, you know, operating in this restaurant and all the people she has to deal with, right? right? Um and so just thinking about how many of us are moving around the world with trauma, right? Right, Or like these negative experiences that then we recalibrate, right? To try to do it better the next time so we don't have those negative interactions. Right. 
but then that might cause a different negative interaction because I was experiencing it as like, why are you, why are you just give me a table? Like, um, yeah. Right. And that's so many of the things that we experience as upsetting in the world is, are actually just other people's efforts to protect themselves. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and come from a place of self-preservation and protectiveness um, and have nothing to do with us. And it doesn't change the fact that it still affects us, even though it right. has nothing to do with us. And right. these are tricky things to sit with. Yeah. Uh, but I love that it came back to curiosity for you. And again, like how hard you needed to work and how much time it has taken to be able to sit with like, yeah, I can be irritated. And this that's valid for me to feel that way. And I can still, I can still be curious, um, which is what allowed things to move and transform. And for, I assume you both to feel better about the interaction. Yeah. It was really lovely. Yeah. So it got there. Yeah. That's so great. That's so great. Um, I want to, I want to, so curiosity is one of the things that it sounds like allows us to kind of operate in a different way. Um, one of the things that I was telling you before we started recording is that, I've been intentionally working on my relationship with, with grief and death and, and endings Um, over the last few weeks, couple of months, there's been just a lot of, a lot of things that have been um, provoking this, you know, I started to work with a client um, who was, you know, walking toward the end of her life. Um, I'm deep in my spiritual practices where I'm, I'm, trying to, you know, work with my ancestors. And so thinking about not just their deaths, but their lives, um, et cetera. But for me, one of the things that's helping me operate differently and lean into the hard is, is staying connected to my grief, as you were talking about, staying connected to endings, to the fact that things are finite, that that we all die. And I think it's so easy, like we were saying, to avoid these feelings because it feels morbid or painful or whatever. But I'm realizing that the more that I can stay in right relationship with death, grief, endings, et cetera, the better I'm able to live, um, really fully live. And, you know, I think there's a, I used to be a big country fan when I was younger and Tim McGraw has a song called live like you were dying. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I cry every time I listen to that song. Cause there's so many moments in my life where I did feel like I was doing that, but if I could do that more often than not, right. How would my life be different? And mm-hmm. so that's the thing that I'm playing with right now that sure. helps me into the hard um is stay connected to like my husband and I could divorce someday someday he's gonna die someday my children are gonna die like I'm gonna die the people I love are gonna die like this Mm -hmm. ends yeah so what is really important Mm -hmm. um yeah 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 I feel like that ancestor work is so important and thinking about when my mom died in, in fall of 2017, like we're approaching the, the anniversary, like that was a, that was a pivotal time for me because I thought, what are the things she didn't say yes to because she thought she had so much more time, right? Like she didn't know she was dying until those last three weeks, right? And so 
So wanting to think about, don't put off Mm -hmm. what you can do today. Like don't stay suffering. Don't take, don't like not take risks because you're afraid because we don't know how long we have. Mm -hmm. Right. And so like, why, why not take the opportunities or have the honest conversations or take up a hobby or say you love someone, like whatever it is, because this life is precious and so many of us are so busy that we don't treat it like that. That's right. And, and for whatever reason, the human in me or something specific to me, that's one of the few things that really allows me to explore those questions from a really honest place, as opposed to path of least resistance, right? Or like, what's the quickest, easiest, you know, it's so easy to just like, respond reflexively and habitually and get annoyed about stupid shit with like my people that mean the most to me. It's so easy to just live every day like that. But when I'm able to see it from that perspective, like Mm -hmm. this ends and I have no idea when, am I using my days? Like I really, like I really Mm -hmm. would want to, if I was dying or if my husband was dying or if my children were dying, like and that, that changes everything for me when I can really immerse myself in that perspective. Um, yeah. And that's hard and painful, yeah. but so, so helpful in terms of leaning into the hard. What would actually, what would I actually change in my life and what would be required of me mm-hmm. if I was viewing everything from that lens, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think about like the end of last year, beginning of this year, when it was like maybe like a five month period of time where I was like, everything is on the table. Everything is on the table, which I don't think I've ever done Mm -hmm. that. I've done like, well, this is on the table, like this arena of my life. But I was like, they're all interconnected and I don't know which one will bring me greater satisfaction. So it's all on the table. And yeah, needing to resource myself for those months of ambiguity of like, okay, well, it could be this, it could be this, it could be this, like, but like putting it all in motion and then seeing which one is the one that lands. Yeah. And I know what you're talking about, but I'm, I'm, I'm thinking for our listeners, when you say putting everything on the table, what do you mean by that? Yeah. Yeah. So like, do I want to still be fully self-employed? Do I want to go back to work for an institution? Do I want to work for a predominantly white institution? Do I want to stay married? Do I want to still parent in this way? Do I still want to live in this house? Like, do I still want to live in this state? Like it was all on the table and that felt oddly peaceful, Mm -hmm. though very unsettling. Because I just knew it'll work itself out. Like, I don't, I wouldn't choose to live like this all the time, but I know I could, for this season of my life, I can tolerate this because I know it will lead to something better or Mm -hmm. I will clarify. Yeah. Right. And the freedom, like as unsettled, because I've clearly had everything on the table, uh, you know, around just a little bit prior to you. 
and the freedom that comes with the willingness to lean into that kind of hard, right? Mm -hmm. Um, To remember that I have choice and agency and voice and power and like, that it is scary. But again, when you're willing to lean into the hard, like it's, uh, it was unbelievable, the Mm -hmm. liberation that the felt embodied liberation that it created. Right. While everything is no longer on the table, I know that at any point Mm -hmm. I can honestly evaluate if something needs to be on the table again. Mm -hmm. And I now can trust myself that like, whoo, this is not going to be easy. Right. Now this lived experience of everything being on the table. Mm -hmm. So certainly one or two things can be on the table again. Yeah. Yeah. Everything feels easier now. Everything feels easier. Yes. Yeah. Because at the time I was like, oh my gosh, are you going to tumble all of this down? Are you going to blow all of this up? Um, but now on the other side, it's like, well, yeah, like if everything was on the table, right to your point, like, and now only maybe right now, nothing is really on the table. Cause like, it's all, it's all good right now. But if I needed that again, it would be okay. It would be okay. Right. And the way that I've even started thinking about it, because there was a lot of, I think, shame about like, I'm letting, I'm burning everything. I'm burning everything to the ground. What's, what's wrong with me that I need to burn everything to the ground, or I'm willing to let everything burn to the ground. Mm -hmm. And I think the reframe of these last couple of years is like, I didn't start the fire. (laughs) Uh, It's burning. It's Mm -hmm. burning. I -hmm. simply am making a very intentional and informed choice about, do I let it burn? Um, because perhaps it's meant to, or it just needs to, as, as there are seasonal things that sometimes just need to burn and in nature and in our lives, or do I want to partner with someone to assess what needs to be done, Mm -hmm. but I didn't light the fire. I am not burning things down. Mm -hmm. I'm simply noticing what is and making a choice about, am I letting it burn or do something to change my relationship to the fire. Right, yeah. And I think for me, I've appreciated people like you who have like supported me in the that season, right? Yes. And also honor the people who couldn't support me in that season because it felt too scary for them. It felt too dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, and for their own self-care and equilibrium, they need to operate in that way Um, which feels painful as the recipient of that. And yet recognizing it's not really about me. It's, you know, what am I triggering in them that is really uncomfortable and um, that I'm the kind of person who likes to be happy and likes to be at peace. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to make that happen. That's right. That's right. And again, that multiple truth of liberation is so incredible and freeing and beautiful, but it's also scary as fuck. It is both. Yep. It is both. Um, and so many other things, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, right? So if you, if that is what we are constantly going for, that means there's always going to be this, all the feels, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that's, it's just, it's a package deal. You can't, that's right have the good stuff without the hard stuff Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah 
Mm. Good stuff. Yes, absolutely. Good conversation. Like a, a good staffing point. Yeah, I think so. Okay, good deal. Um, reminder to our listeners to uh, check us out, not just on YouTube, but on all the different platforms. Like, subscribe, review, all of that is super helpful. Um, we're so grateful for that. Yeah, when we release episodes about twice a month, whenever the twice a month is, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> let us know how you're reacting to us. Love it. Awesome. Take good care. You too. Love being in conversation with you. Same. Talk soon. Bye.